Welcome to episode 28 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I am Narayan. And I'm Anisha Motwani. Storm the Norm is brought to you in association with Grant Thornton Bharat. On to today's episode now. Anisha, a few weeks ago, after our last episode with the crypto expert, Jonathan Karras, I had bought a bubble blower. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember those things, right? Mm-hmm. Prim- primarily to play with uh, the new puppy at my home. And he was super excited to chase them down. He would run after the bubbles and bite into them, only to end up puzzled about where they mysteriously <laughs> disappeared each time he got one. <laughs> that sounds like super fun, Narayan. It was. And, and, and it made me realize that it had been a long time since I had encountered bubbles outside of all of the talk on the Web3 bubble that seems to have enveloped the whole world of business and tech. That's so true about me too, Narayan. We only hear about biosecure bubbles, crypto bubbles, every wave of a VC-funded bubble around fintech, ad tech, health tech, and just go on and on. Exactly, Anisha. It made me go back to an idyllic time with our childhood where we could be silly without judgment, trying to blow bigger bubbles than our friends, you know, either with soap water or more commonly with chewing gum. And it left me wondering, is there a place for chewing gum bubbles in the Web3 bubble world? Oh, so that is pun intended, huh? It is. (laughs) (laughs) So great question, Nadine. Even if we fast forwarded from our childhood to a few years ago, Chewing gum in allied confectionery categories was such an integral part of everyday conversations, especially in the world of branding and marketing. Some of the most memorable advertising has come from this category, giving us cultural catchphrases such as Dimaag ki batti jala de, dobara mat poochna, zuban pe rakh lagam, and so many others. Indeed, Anisha, and I know that we are talking about the confectionery and chewing gum category as kind of a shorthand for other low-cost, low-value, impulse-driven categories, not necessarily only these. And so in that context, you know, it makes me a little sad to say this, but do you see how we were talking about these categories in the past tense? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what brings me to today's norm. In a world that's all about the Web3 bubble, there's no room for chewing gum bubbles. Or... Similar, equivalent, low-ticket, low-value impulse categories. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big and provocative statement to make about a category and about large FMCG companies that has built not just a big customer base by itself, but I dare say is also responsible for creating the kind of unparalleled mom-and-pop retail footprint in India that that very few other categories can. It is, Anisha, and I don't say it lightly. The world of brands today seems to be about one or more of the following three things. Purpose, planned purchase journeys, and pivots enabled by disruptive tech. So where's the place for a frivolous, impulse-driven, unchanging product category in this world? When you put it like that, it does seem difficult for chewing gums and other impulse categories such as candy and confectionery to find relevance in today's world. Happily for me, though, I can pause after posing this existential question for chewing gums and other uh, similar low-cost, low-value, pulse-driven categories, because our guest expert today is best placed to storm this norm. Rajesh Ramakrishnan is the Managing Director of Perfetti Van Mel India, makers of iconic confectionery brands such as Centerfresh, Mentos, Happy Dent, Alpen Liebe, and Chupa Chups, among others. 
And today's norm is not just an existential question, but a practical one that he's been tackling at the helm of Perfetti, even before the pandemic, but also through it. Rajesh, welcome to Storm the Norm. Thank you, Rajesh, for joining us on this Saturday to storm this particular norm. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us. And I'm going to jump straight into the norm, Rajesh. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Anisha, for having me on this uh, session and uh, look forward to an engaging session. Yes. Let me just read out the norm that I would like to storm with you. Okay. It goes something like this. In a world that's all about the Web3 bubble, there's no place for chewing gum bubble, pun intended. What I mean by this is that in a tech-enabled world, enamored by the insanity of metaverse, cryptos, NFTs, etc., etc., how are simple, almost cute, impulse businesses like yours staying relevant? Yeah, and I think that's a that's a great uh, you know norm uh, to storm, and I, I like I like the pun as well. So very 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 interesting. And you, you know, you're absolutely right. If you look at it, um, our category, confectionery category is part of a larger impulse category. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is all about simple joys, right? Uh, so, you know, you want to make your kid happy or make yourself happy. You end up uh, popping a chewing gum or eating mm-hmm. an Alpenly Bay candy. And that's how you get simple joys at very affordable uh, price points. Mm-hmm. However, uh, what is also happening is that as the categories get fragmented, as consumer choices multiply, Mm-hmm. One of the important things for you know uh, brands in the impulse category is also to figure out ways in which the brand can play a more meaningful role in the life of the consumer mm-hmm. without losing the true essence of simplicity and joy, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to lose that, but at the same time, how can you play a more meaningful role? Mm-hmm. And I'll just uh, illustrate this to two examples. Okay. If you take a brand like Center Fruit, Right, mm-hmm. uh, all of us have grown up eating center fruit uh, chewing gum, mm-hmm. and the brand essentially, you know, used to be positioned on it is so tasty that your tongue can't stop wagging. Right, mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. used to be on on that uh, positioning, but as uh, the brand has evolved, one of the things we realize is consumers are also evolving, and we need to find ways of them playing a more meaningful role in the life of consumers. Mm-hmm. So the center fruit positioning is now all around mood transformation. Okay. So when you when you are alone, for example, when a kid is studying for his or her exam, mm-hmm. and you are in a state of either neutral state or a negative state, you want to just pick yourself up and transform your mood and uplift your mood. You pop in a center fruit and link to the product truth of fruit splash, mm-hmm. right? It also sort of gives you a splash and up- uplifts your mood and you know transforms your mood. So you know there is a integrated approach of product truth. linking mm-hmm. up to a higher order need which then makes the brand have a more meaningful role in the life of the consumers Very so i think that's the way we are trying to see how to stay relevant without losing the core essence of simplicity and joy and you know i'd also like to sort of share one more example a very different kind of example but but again i think very relevant if you take a brand like happy dent right all yeah. of us have grown up seeing the happy dent palace ad which came about 20 years ago what an iconic ad that was absolutely and which won us a can actually uh, you know mm-hmm. the way prasoon and team had conceptualized that ad it was a brilliant ad brilliant. and it was all about single mindedly talking about uh, white teeth sparkling smile mm-hmm. right now what we have done is 20 years later we have taken that same core thought of sparkling smile mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but we have taken it to the next level. So the new, you know, the Happy Den campaign is all about Dikha Bhatti Si Kar Baat Achhi Si. Oh, nice. So how can you take the visual iconic of sparkling smile and use that to throw light on social issues, right? Very interesting. So Rajesh, as I hear you say, I mean, this is a phenomenal pivot. But the, yeah. just to play devil's advocate, you know, for a minute here, mm-hmm. if is the youth are we are we taking the fun out of this category and making it slightly more responsible and serious? At least some categories need to be light and bubbly and easy and irreverent. So, are you observing that you know uh, the the consumer that there is a set of uh, consumers you know who miss the old uh, fun element in, in these kind of categories and you know anisha that's an absolutely valid question and like i said the you know these categories are all about affordable treats which make me happy mm-hmm. right and we can't we can't sort of take that away because mm-hmm. that's what consumers uh, buy into so mm-hmm. even if you see a center fresh a center fruit communication for example uh-huh. uh, i mean the latest communication had this young boy who has mm-hmm. who's bored in a tailor shop mm-hmm. and who has uh, customers coming to you know get themselves measured for uh, getting their clothes stitched and mm-hmm. he pops in a center fruit and he takes the measurements by doing a salsa <laughs> right uh-huh. so i think exactly you know even as i'm explaining it it makes you sort of uh, laugh uh-huh. and if uh-huh. you see the uh, advertising i'm sure you'll find it funnier but the point is we need to do both and i think that's the delicate balance that brands need to walk yeah. where you are having a larger purpose a higher order need that you are satisfying Mm-hmm. yet not losing that innocence that simple joys which are very very inherent to the category absolutely well summarized rajesh i think this is what i was missing when i was hearing you say i said see there are there are these big heavy duty brands you know that carry the onus of some responsibility and therefore they yeah, have yeah. no option but to you know communicate responsibly but here there are some categories that do have the license and the freedom to have some absolutely. fun but I, absolutely I, yeah but i hear you you know i mean you you are finding ways and means of actually keeping it light and easy And and you know, sorry, Anisha, just to build on that point, and I think it's super critical to do that because mm-hmm. otherwise you have the danger of starting to preach to consumers, and then there is a dissonance with the brand, and mm-hmm. you know you start losing, like I said, the core essence of simple joys, innocence, happiness. Then they start getting diluted. So we are very mindful of that, and I think it's an important. aspect uh, to keep in mind as we evolve on our communication so that brings me to my next point about this whole purchase behavior okay yeah. now with and covid you know obviously has accentuated that a lot more is your category also seeing a lot of online purchases today because for, for my understanding is that candies and bubble gums are more about impulse buying you know it's almost an irrational behavior with no planned intent you know whereas yeah. online buying is much more planned it's much more rational consumers tend to search for information they make comparisons before they make final decisions and that's technically how we understand the online buying behavior in in such a place you know how how do you evoke impulse yeah you know you you're spot on in your observation and i think that's a really valid point and i'll just you know spend a minute on um, explaining how covid impacted the impulse category Mm-hmm. So, if you look at it, uh, we are very widely distributed. You know, seven and a half million outlets is the confectionery uh, category distribution, and mm-hmm. we are available in four and a half million outlets, and yeah. we directly reach about a million outlets on a daily basis. So, mm-hmm. it's a fairly you know staggering numbers. But what happens is when the pandemic struck and when the lockdowns happened, 
clearly everybody is staying indoors right and then the drop in our sales is pretty sharp because jo dikhta hai wo bikta hai and that doesn't happen and therefore our sales drops pretty dramatically mm-hmm. whereas categories which have a larger in home stocking and consumption still managed to stay afloat because you know consumers were still ordering uh, in uh, the products as well hmm uh, however the flip side to it is when the bounce back happened mm-hmm. we were much faster to bounce back because our price points are at the end of the day 1 rupee predominantly right mm-hmm. so uh, mother for that you still find some that. products at 1 rupee <laughs> <laughs> exactly and you know a mother wouldn't mind spending that 1 rupee to keep her child happy irrespective mm-hmm. of covid or not mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. i mean in that sense i am just giving you a context of how the category works mm-hmm. however one of the things that covid taught us was if i were look at a larger macro snacks category which includes biscuits chocolates chips etc mm-hmm. a lot of these products have managed to find their way inside the homes for a variety of reasons you know mm-hmm. one is the price point second is the occasions that they tap into etc mm-hmm. and what we realized was confectionery because of its price points and because of the occasion still evolving mm-hmm. we were struggling to get in home so mm-hmm. one of the conscious shifts we did was how do i move my products from impulse anytime anywhere to more of a planned purchase therefore planned stocking at home and therefore consumption at home mm-hmm. right and obviously the solution for that lies in two areas one is do i have the right price pack combination because mm-hmm. that's important mm-hmm. and the second is am i tapping into the relevant consumption occasions so mm-hmm. that was a two prong strategy that we adopted obviously it's a slow burn it will take its own uh, time but we are seeing some very very good results in slowly moving the consumers to start stocking confectionery products at home and therefore consuming products let me give you a simple example Mm-hmm. If you take a product like Alpenlibre Just Jelly, mm-hmm. it's one of our largest selling brands. Mm-hmm. What we have done is we've got 25% fruit pulp in the product, so it's a bit of a gatekeeper, you know, uh, crossing that right. gatekeeper barrier. Mm-hmm. And we introduce larger pack sizes. So what happens is then automatically the pack at 20 bucks or you know 50 bucks start going into the homes of the consumer. Mm. And when the mother wants to give her kid a small treat, then there is a product which is a tasty product. and with 25% fruit pulp which can be stocked at home which therefore then plays a role in making a kid happy in the house so what percentage of your sales today you know when you look at your business would be online now yeah. I, i heard you say it's a slow burn it is a slow burn so i mean pre covid if you look at it we were probably at about 0.5% right very tiny mm-hmm. numbers mm-hmm. but over the last 2 years i think we moved to something like 2 2.5% in terms of you know contribution to overall sales and i think uh, the important thing to note is because our denominator is so big the 2.5% seems small but on an absolute scale uh, the numbers are moving at a very nice uh, positive uh, clip so rajesh besides the top line uh, do you feel that the margins are much better because you are selling larger packs and, and pricing it differently or do you feel that the online uh, you know platforms are equally expensive or as have done with similar margins yeah again great question i think you know when you took talk about the 1 rupee products obviously you are severely limited in your pricing right mm-hmm. i mean i cannot make the 1 rupee product 1 rupee 20 paisa tomorrow yeah yeah that doesn't work in that sense there are less levers to pull uh, in terms of you know improving margins on the uh, offline products but when it comes to online because we have larger pack sizes there are 
many more levers that you can play with of course the challenge is also that um, you know uh, there are other platforms that we need to support for and so on and so forth but yes uh, to your point i think there are more levers that we can play with in the online channel this impulse category is more about uh, product placement it's about shelf placement it's about the physical stimuli all yeah. of those things that make it an impulse category so how does that work in the online world see i think in online what is important is one to get the salience of the category itself i mean even if you think about it for yourself you would not probably say that oh i need to eat chewing gum today and let's go online and buy chewing gum mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. one of the things we have been trying to do is how do we create generic um, you know keyword searches which enhance the salience for our brands so for okay. example uh, center fresh stands mm-hmm. for fresh breath right so mm-hmm. even if you are searching for something around fresh or fresh breath etc while things like uh, toothpaste might pop up we also uh, you know do a, do it in such a way that uh, brands like center fresh pops up also right so i think that's one way to do it mm-hmm. second is to partner with other brands which have a stronger presence in online so then how can we feed off them in a in a synergistic manner mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. the third very important is associating with occasions so for example if i were to give you an example halloween mm-hmm. is an occasion which is not tapped by many other categories of brands True. however it has a very strong association and relevance to the confectionery and candy space mm-hmm. so what we did uh, in the last couple of years was we created halloween packs which are exclusive packs only for online mm-hmm. which sell at like for example 150 bucks mm-hmm. so it's a ready made pack it looks like a bit of a pumpkin it's got candies inside it you know mothers do need those packs during those times to give to their kids so that they can do their tick or treat and stuff mm-hmm. so th- those kind of packs we created we partnered with uh, people like uh, grofers blinket now mm-hmm. and amazon to see how we could create excitement around halloween so that when the mother is shopping for something during halloween this kind of thing pop up so i think it's a combination of having the right price pack the right visibility and uh, you know tapping into occasions which can really help us to drive the online sales rural india are you seeing any form of traction for the online purchases in in that part of our country as well especially for categories like yours yeah and i and i think here you know the smartphone has a great role to play right i mean we think sometimes you rural and semi urban areas nothing much is happening from that perspective mm-hmm. but uh, we we have a very different view because you know the kids there and the youth there are really you know tech savvy when it comes to using mobile mm-hmm. so what we also do is a lot of uh, stuff we do around use the mobile for you know let me give you an example chupa chups mm-hmm. is a brand which is targeted at teens mm-hmm. so we have this whole thing of you know a qr code on the pack so you just scan the qr code you can start playing some games and then we have tied up with amazon where you can win gifts and vouchers from them which is again coming on your phone mm-hmm. right so the mm-hmm. entire chain end to end can actually happen on through your phone and the way we also make sure that the product is integrated is the games that you have are like snakes mm-hmm. which for example one of our products is a belt shaped product right the belt is the snake and then you you know you play a game and you win so the product and the brand is also very very tightly integrated with the game like bites is a game uh, i mean sorry bites is a product we have a treasure hunt game where the bites uh, you have to find the bites and you can win some mm-hmm. you know points and so on and so forth mm-hmm. so i think rural to your point it doesn't matter rural or urban i think 
the mobile phone uh, has really unlocked a lot of um, opportunities and i think it's really about how we leverage technology in a very engaging manner which hmm. will allow us to unlock that opportunity hmm. you know that brings me to today when you talk to kids and you talk about candies they'll say candy crush it's all about just moving them into this whole virtual surreal world where i started yeah, and yeah. Uh, so how do you change the narrative for for these kind of children see end of the day uh, you know as you know also as a brand we have to be where the consumer is yeah so mm-hmm. today uh, unfortunately the number of kids probably playing gully cricket and you know mm-hmm. uh, coming out and doing those outdoor activities to have come down to an extent mm-hmm. and they have got into stuff like gaming and you mm-hmm. know if you look at the numbers on gaming they are mm-hmm. staggering and in a way a bit um, sad also right like mm-hmm. kids are spending about 7 to 8 hours in a week yeah. Yeah. gaming in the pandemic world okay we have to be responsible as a brand but mm-hmm. what we then do is you know can we allow them to play games also learn something in the process right mm-hmm. so we we also you know create games which have a little bit of a learning associated with it whether it is in mm-hmm. terms of uh, you know learning something new or mm-hmm. dexterity or whatever but mm-hmm. ensuring that the the fun is still not taken out of it they are still uh, you know learning something yet we are being where they are spending their time mm-hmm. so i think that's the key thing to keep in mind So Rajesh, it, the, you know, it's been a very, very engaging and interesting conversations because, as I heard you, I realized that you all have you have pivoted the category and changed the narrative at several levels to stay relevant. Technology is here to stay. Digitization is here to stay. Consumers are evolving. Children are evolving. And how do you make businesses, which are simple businesses like yours, traditional businesses in many ways, stay relevant? Right from you know the the proposition to making it a higher order uh, proposition, you know. in line with how the youth today or the or the young children today are behaving to changing price points products you know making it you know more relevant in terms of an online purchase moving it from impromptu to planned for that medium to you know integrating and doing you know stuff end to end um this has been this has truly been an eye opener for me because we when we look back we wonder you know how it's okay when you are in bigger categories like cars and durables and 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 categories like those they are actually meant for the online world for the for the new world mm-hmm. but yeah. simple categories like these they really need to change and i think what you've done is remarkable so thank you this has been really an interesting conversation thank you very much anisha thank you for having me on this and it was a absolute pleasure so nadan what did you take away from everything rajesh said anisha i actually want to go back to something our guest expert in the last episode of storm the norm touched upon mm-hmm. you remember in that episode jonathan caras the crypto expert i referred to earlier he came from this perspective and one of the main reasons the realm of blockchain and crypto and web3 have felt a little obscure and complex to most people is because they've been too technical and even boring for most people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he believed that making it entertaining making it fun is critical to making it mainstream and to me what rajesh said in fact doesn't just storm today's norm i think it inverted brilliantly tell me how i would say uh well like it's easy to spot it now after having heard him i would say it's not just that there's room for chewing gum bubbles in a world that's all about the web3 bubble but that the web3 bubble could learn a lot from the world of chewing bubbles starting with not taking itself so seriously uh, purpose and planning and pivots are great and are needed don't get me wrong but ultimately we need to remember that more often than not as people 
we seek fun and not just meaning with a capital m all the time meaning is great we want fun also and in a world that's gone crazy on so many dimensions we need chewing gum bubbles at least as much if not more than the web3 bubble so that there is the right mix of fun and purpose but what about you anisha how would you storm this norm what hacks do you have for our audience yeah even before i come to the hacks you know the point that you made uh, i remember uh, you know rajesh has touched upon this brilliantly and given examples of how uh, even though his brand moved from you know fun to to purposeful fun uh, little little nuances that he introduced uh, in the brand communication made sure that it is not ju- he is not compromising on fun and entertainment in any way and making the category serious and boring absolutely so yeah i mean in that context i'm really looking forward to the hacks that you have so there's so much to be said on storming this norm at a broad level narayan but i'm going to focus it on very on a very specific part how can an impulse category pivot to succeed in a d2c world where the rule of commerce culture and communications may be very different selling inexpensive low ticket impulse purchase items profitably online requires a disciplined approach to the entire business when you sell a high priced product you have the ability to absorb many costs and you can still be profitable because of your higher margins indeed anisha this is the biggest challenge facing various categories like candy sweets and others that depend on a huge distribution footprint of small retailers i mean these products just don't have the same margin for error but does that mean e-commerce or online retail are not suitable for low value products should they stay away from this channel or are there ways to manage the costs and leverage the large buying pool of diverse customer sets to generate high profits through volumes and here are my five hacks to unlock the potential of this e-commerce online retail for such categories i am all yours the first hack is all about moving the purchase from an impulse action to a step action mm. so how create a conscious plan to shift the purchase from low ticket low value impulse purchase to conscious planned event based incidents mm. and this requires a big mindset shift and a dual strategy mm. one for physical retail and the other for e-commerce it mm. starts with relooking at your product and pack size and then of course pricing and supply chain logistics it's a different ball game altogether and that's why i mentioned mindset shift as the first barrier to overcome many teams in traditional businesses do not have the dna to straddle both and see this channel as an adjunct good to have a presence but not of significant strategic relevance to carve out a separate holistic strategy this is actually a one of the best mediums available for such low value low ticket categories to broaden the customer base with some exciting and creative interventions we know digital as a medium allows you a lot of creativity and interactions with the customers mm-hmm. and and that if you see this strategically and if you have the right product and a pack size priced appropriately then this game is possible and everything else then just follows You know, there's so much to unpack in this one. It's such an insightful hack, Anisha. Uh, brands are making the same mistake here as they did with digital in the initial days. 
cheating it as an afterthought in the beginning and then scrambling to somehow fit it into their overall strategy. I mean, it takes clear thinking and action to recognize that e-commerce can be treated as needing a distinctive focus, not just dovetailed with everything else, but a distinctive focus across all aspects of the business. This is this is great. Um, what's your second hack? The second hack is about moving the brand from a transaction-only brand to a purposeful brand. See, as it is, these categories are about transactions. You know, you don't have change. Mm-hmm. Okay, take a candy. Um, you know, you're standing at the counter, you know, buying something uh, for the household. And if there's a kid with you, uh, you know, he would insist and you would say, okay, you know, uh, give, him a, give him a candy or give him a bubble uh, and stuff like that. So as it is, this is a transactional category. And the online world has become even more so about transactional products, which are about short-term game of immediate purchases and cash flows than the long-term game of of building name, recognition, and acquiring long-term customers. Okay, The tricky part about transactional action is that you may get a sale, but that doesn't mean you'll get repeat customers. And continually chasing new customers is more expensive than doing business with the turn customers. That's where branding and brand building comes in. Mm. Branding induces customers to buy things without wasting time and effort on deliberative thinking. See, in the online world, if you have to induce an impulse action, then the first barrier to cross is the brand barrier. And if you know that this is a brand that is actually top of mind for you, then you move, you, you actually move to the next step of purchasing it. And remember the first hack, if this is a planned purchase, then mm. brand has to play even a bigger role than, than you know, in a transactional category or an impulse category. How do you make customers buy now and feel later? Because the trust in the brand will help you skip this whole deliberation step. I love that phrase, Anisha. Buy now, feel later. Move over BNPL. Buy now, pay later. (laughs) I think that's not true. It's not your day-to-day. Here comes BNFL. The thing is, when building your brand over time, you will eventually have a customer base that won't need transactional messages to woo them towards your products or services. Because of branding, these repeat customers already interact with and perhaps even love your company without extra incentives. This means that in the long term, you likely work and spend less on transactional advertising as your businesses and bottom lines grow. Absolutely, Anisha. BNFL is such a powerful outcome that only brand building, not transactional interactions, only brand building can enable. So what's your third hack now? It's it's linked to that, you know, it's linked to this whole skipping the deliberation step, BNFL Mm -hmm. syndrome that we spoke about. Create a shopping momentum in your purchase journey. Increase the average order value. So the shopping momentum effect is about how making an initial purchase creates a psychological impulse to make additional purchase by inducing a kind of an implemental mindset. You know, Mm. you're you're ready to implement. Mm. And this is a very critical step to making online sales profitable and managing the margin pressure. There are various ways in which this can be done. But for that, the first critical step is to be strategic with cross-selling and upselling and not Mm. tactical in your approach. Mm. So if you plan a good share of wallet strategy, focuses on making the purchase more attractive by bundling it with add-ons, combo packs, incentives, gifts, 
event based celebration events loyalty points to foster deeper engagement with customers and like i said in in my earlier hacks engagement and creativity comes very naturally to this medium mm. you can you can integrate your products into several interactive activities where the customer is directly mm. involved something that you can never do at a mom and pop retail store where it will always mm. remain a transaction you know you buy mm. you pay you move on but here there is so much that is more that's possible and this has the probability to trigger an unplanned purchase increasing the probability of making subsequent unplanned purchases no i can i can absolutely see how social influence or cues that leverage the behavior of other users can also encourage impulsive purchases true nadan when you sell low cost items another way to boost profitability is to sell more of them to each customer you know that's what i meant by cross sell ups mm. for mm. instance if you sell a cute you know uh, pink nail polish you could also offer the companion um you know uh, a blue one um you know for 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 a friend or something or the nail clipper that can go you know along with it offering a buy two get one free special is another way to boost profit and there are many such events that activities that you can you can think of selling related accessory products complimentary products uh, is is another way to to bundle this and make the purchase order not just increase the order value but also increase the stickiness with the customer i think about how every time you go to a coffee shop the person at the counter will always subtly try to upsell or cross sell to you you know either a bigger size drink or something to eat along with your drink and it's a very uh, shot in the dark kind of thing you know just ask every customer who comes along kind of thing but e-commerce makes this even simpler with the use of data analytics and even more effective the now old trick of customers <laughs> who bought this also bought xyz is now so prevalent in e-commerce right and it's core at its core this is all about creating psychological impulses that you spoke about and it creates a kind of shopping momentum absolutely all right then three down two more hacks to go what's next i think this is hygiene but purchasing at low cost and managing transaction costs this world is now famous for unit economics but it becomes even more relevant in in products which have got lower margins even if you looked at a larger pack size a bundled pack size you still are working on uh, with uh, with you know limited margins in this category managing your cost of goods sold is key in low cost items so choosing to buy in larger lots you know helps you to amortize additional charges such as transaction or shipping charges or even manage a larger or negotiate a larger discount seemingly small transaction costs can take a large chunk of your profit for instance a 30 paisa swipe fee on a 10 rupees equal to 3% of your total revenue and transaction costs that are based on percentage of your sales instead of a flat fee may be more advantages so always remember that you know i mean if you have to negotiate transaction costs and you are a low margin product make sure it's a percentage and not a flat uh, mm-hmm. you know rate, rate because then the denominator effect starts coming in if you do mm-hmm. enough volumes of flat rate transaction processor may even save you more uh, in the long run i love this one anisha simply because it shows that value creation can happen not just with changes at end consumer levels but as a site of the manufacturer distributor interface and with e-commerce the opportunity to scale this is much simpler and greater and so what's your final hack now 
So how do you reduce the customer acquisition cost? It seems like a no-brainer, but profitably selling small items also requires a strategy that lowers your customer acquisition cost. Paying per click for search engine advertising probably won't be profitable if you sell low-ticket items. Using social networking tools and doing your own search engine optimization can help drive customers at a low cost. Another strategy is to use your existing customers to drive businesses through, prom through promotions or even an affiliate program. One of the things that we don't do well is this is a data-driven world. You ha have the access to your customers' data. And if we do not leverage our existing customers to drive business and use them like our own brand ambassadors to build the brand, then it's a very, it's a lost opportunity. Uh, we are constantly chasing new customers, cold customers, and not paying enough to existing customers and how we can use them strategically. While these may involve discounting or paying referral fees, if the cost mm -hmm. is less than paying for advertising, you will come out ahead. All right, that's a, that's a lot to observe, Anisha, but also a lot of fantastic business insights in one place. I mean, from shopping momentum to buy enough uh, feel later to, you know, step action instead of just passive action, moving beyond transactions to purposeful brands and reducing customer acquisition costs. This is so much to observe. It all is, when you think about it, it's intuitive. If only everybody would uh, take them to execution. Uh, so, I think it's 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 a lot of very, very practical, usable, insightful hacks in one place here. Thank you, Nadan. All right. So a thought-provoking norm, a seasoned expert, and some great levers to storm the norm. There definitely is room for chewing up bubbles <laughs> in the world as a web three bubble. <laughs> and equivalent. Indeed, Nadan. This is a good place to wrap up episode 28 of Storm the Norm. As always, there are multiple places you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud and GeoSavan by just searching for Storm the Norm and on Saregama Karwan 2.0 devices on channel 453. This is Narayan and Anisha signing off for now. We'll be back with a new episode shortly. Thank you and talk to you soon. Bye.